Are we going to stand around here all day, or are we going to fight? I mean, yeah, you, you said it. A strange girl you are. We are not things. We are not things. What will happen to me if I fail your test? You're mine now. What's wrong? Nothing. Oh, no, I do have a mistake. That's nice. Mr. Whiskers, he makes me do bad things. You totally stopped taking the pills, didn't you? No, it's me. Everything's okay. I've got special powers. Well, tis the season for cakes no one likes, vegetables no one eats, and lists no one pays attention to. Yes, it's the end of the year, so we have top fives. Though, being the pretentious assholes we are, numerical order is unimportant, so... Yeah, so treat these top fives not as we're going from worst to best or best to worst. Yeah. You know, these are just the five, the five we think we stood out to show, us. Yeah. However, also, to break up the monotony, we will sort of include a few amusing categories. Yeah, and some of them will give us a bit of leeway in terms of excluding... Say, say there was stuff out early this year that was mm-hmm. nominated for loads of Oscars at this year's Oscars, which is actually the previous year's Oscars, the previous year's movies. <laughs> I hate that they do that. I hate that they have the Oscars in February or March, so they should have them in December, so Just these lists are easier to yeah. do. You know, because, like, I don't know, like, something like birdman or whiplash or theory of everything or or enemy you know like any number of things you know could could have been uh considered but just for simplicity's sake we'll leave them out as we'll also leave out any upcoming stuff anyway um, to begin uh let's start i mean to go on with the worst of the year do you care to go first or should i I'll go first, um, just to let the hate flow through me and get this out of the way. Um, I feel like this was just a case of a really overhyped movie, and it it, it annoyed me how overhyped it was. And then I saw it, and we we had quite a heated discussion about this on a previous episode, because uh, our f- the, this film was called Glassland, um, and uh, we had a guest on Natasha, mm-hmm. Waller, good friend, uh, filmmaker as well, and and she was defending the movie and quite liked it. Um, I but I was thinking about it more and more because because I know there were some pretty bad movies out this year. Thing is, I tend to avoid most of them though. Uh, so no but, fun at all. Yeah, I um. Uh, this is, it's just such lousy filmmaking. I'm not just saying it's overrated. It's actually bad filmmaking. But this was critically acclaimed as like one of the Irish films of the year. And like, oh no, th- this Irish film, this particular one is really good. This is the one you should see. Like. No, it was uh, Jack Rayner getting... Because like, you know how like movies, if they have a great opening, you know you kind of know what you're in for. Mm. This was Jack Rayner getting up, feeling groggy, going downstairs, putting milk in his cornflakes, eating the cornflakes, going out into the driveway, getting in his taxi. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just... Uh, it angers me. Everyone know... All the characters are just horrible stereotypes and caricatures. There's no depth to them. It's the Pronounce doing this that word one more time. Caricatures. <laughs> they have this. Uh, it's this bleak, gritty aesthetic where everything's really slow paced and it's really contemplative. But Tala is a bleak aesthetic. Um, but, but why the story isn't interesting enough to justify setting it there? It's not interesting at all. And people are saying like, Jack Rayner's great, Tony Collette's great. It's just like, yeah, but if their characters are shite, you know, it's it's not worth it. It's just, it's it's pulling teeth. It's it's so slow paced. I think this is exactly the kind of movie Irish filmmakers should avoid making. Because as long as we keep making that, people are just going to carry on assuming, oh, Irish films are a bit weird and uh, no, why would you bother? You know, like, you know, make more interesting movies, tell a story have a genre piece, tell an actual story that moves along, you know, don't just have stuff happen. 
I w- yeah no it's I mean I'm I'm happy enough to say that Glass Land is the worst film I saw this year it's it's, it's dreadful and and, and I don't it's a distinctly arty choice nonetheless yeah. mine are much worse than that um I kind of haven't settled between three of them yet it's either going to be Solace the Anthony Hopkins psychic police movie uh, which Colin Farrell kind of half saved near the end uh, or it'll be Survivor which is the Emiliovich Pierce Brosnan thing which should have been my favorite movie of the year given that casting it's just a shit though it was it's it's basically an eighties action movie. That I'm convinced the screenplay was written the day after 9-11, but made in 2015. So it's full of all this really outdated Patriot Act nonsense and xenophobia. And it's such a bad movie. Pierce Brosnan has a big blinky phone that does assassination he does He does assassinations by having a blinky phone that makes beepy noises and then blows things up. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'd say watch it. No, I'd say watch it for one reason only. Because at the very end... That he's trying to blow up the uh, you know the big ball in Times Square for New Year's the big thing that goes down yeah yeah he's trying to blow that up so basically they're trying to do nine eleven again uh, <laughs> that's like hearing Nicolas Cage say I'm going to steal the Declaration yeah, of Independence yeah, it's, it's kind of like you know what I w- I want to see what that's like <laughs> I want to see how that plays out like so like, I'm wondering like, if I told you the full cast though because it's Miliovich Pierce Brosnan Angela Bassett. Uh, James Darcy like loads of people that are really good like how did you get any of these people in this movie how did they get Anthony Hopkins in Psychic uh, Police paycheck I don't know I mean like are these movies are they so like Glassland is just bad it, it's, yeah. the Emperor has no clothes it's like people are saying it's great filmmaking no it's actually really shoddy filmmaking and when you stop making this kind of movie the Irish film industry will flourish these movies like Psychic Police and <laughs> New Year's Exploding Ball like these sound <laughs> like movies ball. can they be enjoyable if you watch it with the right mindset can you watch it saying like it's so bad it's good is it, is think, it that yeah, kind I of bad yeah I think almost or? I mean with, Survi- with Solace I certainly had a good time with Survivor it was just pissing me off where I saw it with a good friend of mine Steve Allen who, who lives for bad movies and he really enjoyed it but I, the reason I was going to say it's worth watching if at the very end when he's trying to blow up the Times Square Ball and she, he's like, obviously, for no real reason, he's waiting until he gets to one to do it, obviously. So it's on 10, 9, 8, so it gives you a bit of narrative countdown for him to have their little fight on the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, like, kicks him off but holds on to him. What? Uh, wait. And then she specifically waits until it gets one on the thing and then says, time's up and kicks him off the roof. Oh, she's just being smug. I know, but it's so unnecessary. And it's just, <laughs> then it ends on this epilogue of a title card saying, since 9-11... The U.S. Foreign Department has managed to thwart 19 attacks on New York. Wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Yes. Sorry, there. Okay, at the end of Suffragette, a, mo- a fairly decent movie that was out this year, it, yes. it goes through all the years other countries have given women the right uh-huh. to vote. Okay, because you know it's 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 a serious subject of great uh, portent, portent, importance. Yes. This is. I thought this was like a schlocky it dumb is a action. Schlock, it Does is. it actually end on the note that like we have counterterrorism measures yeah, that are effective? A social angle. Because oh the whole point of it what? is that her character, all of her friends died in 9-11. That's the plot. All of <laughs> yeah, them. All of her friends. You can have one die yeah, no, and still then be she's, enough motivation. She's working border police in the UK then. And then all of her friends die again in Pierce Brosnan's second 9-11 in but the UK. It's been, it's been like... 14 years. Exactly. That's okay, why I I'm convinced the screenplay was written I don't like want this to after. sound harsh. Yes. 14 years is a long time. Can you make more friends... Oh, like, she, I don't no. want to sound flippant about lives lost. You know, I, I'm not saying friends are replaceable as such. I'm just saying, is she all alone ever since 9-11? Look, and that's she made more her. friends in England. Okay. And then Pierce Brosnan blew them up too. Ah, <laughs> not again. That's such rotten luck to have. Okay, no. Have, have, having a friend die in two separate terrorist attacks, that, that would be so weirdly coincidentally unlucky. But to have all of your friends die in two separate terrorist attacks, that's so <laughs> melodramatic. This sounds like an amazing movie. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't see it, but it is absolute shit. How did I miss this? God, because no, I mean, no one saw like, it. Like, are you are you are you saying that's your worst film of the no, year? Then, or is I, there I another still think, one? Because even talking about it, I kind of enjoy talking about it. So that justifies it. No, the worst of the year is by far Transporter Refueled. Nice. And if you want to read my full rant on that one, either read the review of the film I wrote for this very website or check out the overall top fives for the entire site, which should be up in the next couple of days, I think, if not up by now. Um, actually, it's about probably, yeah, it'll, it'll be up by now. Because mm. me and John both have our top fives. Yes, yeah, so, so we have a top five, which might vary too. slightly from what we say um, here, but you know, but, we have. but anyway, also, I, I did, I did a write up of the Danish girl as well for whenever that's coming out. So, but yeah, Transporter Refueled is a distinctly uncool movie that thinks it's very cool it is lifeless it is bloodless it is basically people made of pillows fighting one another with the, the sounds not literally <laughs> that would be amazing no it's just it's entirely injury free mm. it is it has this horrible soundtrack Ray not Ray Winston I forget his name he's great but he's still crap it's not good <laughs> but, but it tries to be progressive by having the, the, the sort of pseudo anti-hero Robin Hood characters no not not Robin Hood um, what's the Alexander Dumas thing Three Musketeers, Three Musketeers. thing which they keep referencing the book and going, oh, we're just them, but ladies. Ugh. But it's still a deeply misogynistic movie that has this glaze of feminism, you know, masquerading a deep well of hatred of ladies. And it's it's awful. And it does one bit with a jet ski where he rides a jet ski onto a beach. And I think, oh, yeah, then he crashes through a window of a car and punches a person straight through the car. That was good. <laughs> Those five seconds were good. Everything else. I'm just trying to picture that. Oh, what a great mental image. Oh. But any film that even Jason Satham was clearly too bored to be in is it's it's it just, oh Jesus, it's so bad. Don't watch it. If this were 2004, but you picked fun worst movies. I'm like you pick fun Christmas movies. I'm, <laughs> you're just a stodgy I'm over old boring here trying man, to be it? all ooh, this film is good because this this is this. No, no, but you're just like this is so dumb because there's a bit where he flies <laughs> through a car window and punches him. <laughs> Pow, right in the kisser. That was, that was the yeah. good bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So there's not enough else in that to justify no, it, seeing that amazing image. genuinely the worst in the year for me. Okay. So I think from the worst, let's, before we get into top five, quickly, and I mean quickly, run through honorable mentions. Now, I'm just going to read, read a list of movies here. So, Duke of Burgundy, Fury Road, The Lobster, Tangerine, Slow West, Mr. Holmes, Sicario, Something Must Break, Inherent Vo- bleh, Voice, Inherent Vice, None of them are top five material, all very good, especially Mr. Holmes and Sicario, um, and The Lobster, and Fury Road. Okay, a lot of them. They're all pretty good. What, what are your other mentions? No, no, no. Those are all pretty good, and I think just any movies we're mentioning now, just do catch up on them if you haven't seen them. Uh, my sort of honorable mentions list was The Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. Just thought it was good style to it, you know, enjoyable movie. Uh, the Falling, Timbuktu, It Follows, Tangerine, and Straight Outta Compton. I feel bad that we put up Tangerine in our honorable mentions because I've seen a lot of top fives that have it in there. Like, it's good. Tangerine is very, really very good. good. So is Straight Outta Compton, The Man from Uncle, The Following, <laughs> to Book Two, and it follows. You know, and so I would say about... just eat all no. of those. And um, yeah, all the ones Richard mentioned. Yeah, no, I, there's been a lot of good movies this year, I think. And Tangerine is definitely one of them. And I just think for the purposes of this, we just put together a mm. top five list, which we'll get to in a, get to in a moment. But first. But first. Uh, this is a category that you initially sort of, I kind of ruined your top five with this one. So the best Oscar movie from last year that technically came out this year in Ireland. So yes. for me, that's sort of a coin toss between Whiplash and Wild Tales. Wild Tales, so good. But I think Whiplash has to be the best of 
well, last I'm, year's Oscar list and just last year's films, really. I'm going to decide this because mine is Whiplash as well. Mm. Uh, this, I think on the Film Ireland website, I think this is number one of my top five. Yeah. I think this is just, it's such competent filmmaking. It's very much my tempo and it was <sighs> nominated for loads of Oscars last year as the thing. So I suppose... Yeah. For the purpose of the top five, maybe there are other movies that I want to make sure get a mention because you've probably heard of Whiplash by now. So, like, I, I just, yeah, really, really loved Whiplash. So, But I just think for, you know, simplicity's sake, we have this category where it's the best mm-hmm. Oscar movie from last year. See Whiplash if you have not and seen see it. Wild it Tales is too. so Wild good. Tales. Anyway, so next one. Um, this one I'm actually struggling with to think of an answer for, but best soundtrack. Now, soundtrack can mean score or just literal soundtrack as in yeah the use, best choice. use of music in a movie yeah. I'm kind of torn between It Follows Duke of Burgundy and Ex Machina and maybe Sicario and possibly Tangerine <laughs> and maybe Inherent Vice okay I, I see your problem here okay Sicario was good because it was like horror movie yeah Sicario and It Follows are both incredible scores and in terms of overall soundtrack Tangerine had a really strong well I mean I couldn't help you decide maybe because again I kind of I've narrowed it down to two more mm-hmm. I'd say um it follows in dope dope is okay. similar to tangerine in that it has this um like centered around a black cast in south central yeah. los angeles there's there's a bit of overlap actually between the two movies but one of the things is that the same way uh tangerine had quite an eclectic soundtrack in terms of the types of music they have armenian music and classical music and dubstep and rap and all these different things dope does a similar thing where it's a, a nice mix of like you know rap like naz or metal mm. like corn and they're they're doing different things together and it kind of helps the sort of jauntiness of the story i suppose one one minor point about dope i I think the characters in it they start like a sort of indie rock band even though they're all enthusiasts of 90s hip-hop so you'd kind of think well why why don't they just start a rap crew but the the point being that dope has lots of different types of music in it because it's very much a movie about pop culture so i think it does that quite well if i had to choose between that and it follows though i'd probably say soundtrack of the year is it follows because because it gets the john carpenter vibe Mm. like so well and it's kind of similar there's a movie from a few years ago called beyond the black rainbow which yes, does a similar, similar soundtrack with all the 80s synth stuff and i like it because you can kind of also let us pray the irish horror film had oh, that, that as a really well good soundtrack. yeah because yeah, I, I i kind of remembered when that started synth yeah. synth is reassuring to me because i know that if the movie turns out to be bad i can kind of think well it was using synth music so maybe it's meant to be schlocky so th- like that's mm. okay if the movie is good, though, you think it was so good, and aesthetically, the music just matches the image so well because it's that kind of thing. So it, it the, the music and it follows. You can listen to it in isolation. It works so well with the movie, though, because it does establish exactly what kind of movie this should be. So yeah, I would say it follows. Oh, the Mount Mungle good soundtrack too. Okay, let's that say did it have a good soundtrack, uh, yeah, but, but, but yeah, it so follows. Let's say it follows. Um, and I kind of, as a minor caveat to that, in terms of best individual theme for a movie, I think Ant Man gets best main theme. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so first off, let's say our, for the sake of argument, our number five each, even though it's not really a number five each, I'm going to say Kingsman because, look, <laughs> Fury Road isn't in my top five. It's in my top ten. It's not in my top five, even though it's a better made movie than Kingsman, but Kingsman just... Tickles you specifically. Exactly. It hits the right nihilistic and misanthropic notes and also had a whole room of people's heads exploding to the tune of... God save, not God save the Queen. What's God save? Yeah. It, it was Land of Hope and Glory. Yes, yeah. that's what it was. And the church scene. The church scene was also just unlike anything else in any movie this year. The church scene... I still do like, but then mm. the, the, the church scene, it's Colin Farrell killing an entire church full of bigots. It's yep. just so cathartic. It's a glorious thing to uh, the tune of Freebird. Um, 
In, but you know what? I kind of I think I would have preferred a short film that was just about that scene <laughs> than having to take it with the package of Kingsman because Kingsman like has a Eggsy, lot of though. baggage as a movie though. It, 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 no, it's so problematic. It's undeniably problematic. But I think they did they managed to make Exy quite likable, and I overall thought Taron Egerton's really good. I I don't know. I but, but even even that it. church scene though. Yes. I I then you mentioned Slow West as one of the honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, that is a great movie to check out if you haven't seen it. But I did I did go to a talk the director was giving and he was referencing a movie where you get like a room full of people getting killed and people think this is like good entertainment. Now, he didn't mention Kingsman mm. by name, but I was like, he's talking about Kingsman. That kind <laughs> of like, yeah, okay, you establish that these are the most racist, homophobic, xenophobic, homophobic, misogynistic, mm. terrible, sexist, horrible, uh, anti-scientific, anti-human people. They're just horrible, awful people who deserve to die. And then you have this scene where it's very satisfying seeing them get killed yeah. in grisly ways. At the same time, though, is is that a good thing that you can disassociate the sort of really horrible things well, that happen? I it's think like... that's a bit hypocritical coming from him, of all people, because Slow West sort of does the same thing near the end, where um, like Ben Mendelsohn's whole kind of crew are all made to be like the worst possible kind of rapey, sort of stealing, horrible people. And you're meant to kind of... I know I sort of was amused when they were being shot. So I was that intentional? Because I, I, I thought it was funny. So he really can't complain. Anyway. Yeah, but anyway, so your, sorry. So, five? I mean, that kind of see why you specifically, but yeah, it's... no, I just, the more I think about Kingsman, the more problems I have with it. Um, That's fine. It's allowed. My number five movie is Dope. This was a hit at Sundance. Mm-hmm. It was um, so funny. Like like I said, there can be some weird things about it, like the way the, the, main, the group of main characters, one of whom was in Grand Budapest Hotel. He was uh, Zero yes. Mustafa. Um the, but the, you know the way they'll be into rap music, but they'll have more of a kind of punk band. Uh, you know, um, occasionally stuff like that. You see, I've, some people criticize this movie for being too cool for its own sake, like it, like it's trying too hard. The whole thing smacks of effort. That's I'm why. Like, I, that's why I don't want to see it. Sound like that, yeah. No, <laughs> it works well. It it really works well. There's a good story to it. It's good. This this has been a good year as well. I noticed just for um, black cinema in America, African American cinema, mm. like because you have that and Tangerine. And Straight Outta Compton, which was a big box office success, which the American media like racistly <laughs> reported on. Just straight up racism that's like, oh, it's been a slow box office weekend because this, uh, this movie about rappers is number one. It's just like, no, it was a big success. And like, they sh- you should make more movies like this, more diverse casts. Like, you know, and like Dope is just a particularly good example, though, because it had a lot of heart to it. There were moments where a lot of it's funny, serious moments, you know, have good weight to them. And... I think it was really fun, and you should check it out if you haven't seen it. Okay, so next category is uh, most... Where is it? The most disappointing slash most wasted hype. Now, I think, as you said to me beforehand, you kind of avoid hype culture. So maybe just list what your most disappointing film is. I know for me personally, I'm taking the the wasted hype, and the most hype I had going into this year was sort of combined for Age of Ultron and Spectre. Age of Ultron annoyed me, Spectre broke my little Bond heart, and I, I still have seen it three times, and I still have the Blu-ray Steelbook pre-ordered, but you know what, I, it, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, they didn't, they didn't mess it up, they just, they didn't make a good Bond movie, they just made a perfectly adequate film, and that sort of, is the, if it was really bad, it'd be more interesting almost, but it's, it's so <laughs> middle of the road, I'm like, oh, and they ruined Blofeld, spoiler, Blofeld's in it. Yeah, I mean, we um, we have our Bond podcast, Quantum of Friendship, which yes. I bring up to say that we we just did an episode on Quantum of Solace, and mm. 
that's also a kind of maligned, you know, not judged well. But it's interesting movie. why it doesn't work. Yeah. It's interesting why it doesn't work. But also, we were saying in the course of that, if you listen to it on iTunes, we ha- we talk about how it's almost an inverse of Spectre. That like, it's Quantum of Solace is really rushed and yeah. fast, and the, the camera's shaky, and it's, it's kind of a mess. Spectre has the opposite problem of being really slow paced, yeah, and it's shot in a kind of yes. boring way, and it's kind of so. Like, it is interesting in that point of view, seeing how the Craig movies are shaping up and. Yeah, no, so I know, like, Richard's hardcore Bond fanatic. He, he started a Bond podcast with me, even though I know next to nothing about Bond. So, you know, I can, kind of I can more understand your idea than mine, the, but um, yes. <laughs> I, I can understand the um, disappointment there. With me, I'm kind of, I'm sick of hype culture. And even even the Star Wars thing, I was get when, I think when Jimmy Fallon did the acapella video at the cast, I was, I, I was I, at the point where I was just like, why do people love the cantina scene so much? Why do people love Boba Fett so much? Why do... T- oh, God. Okay, look, it's Star Wars. It's it, They're good movies. I uh, Sometimes I just don't get the, like, really, really enthusiastic love for it. So I was getting a bit sick of it, so I just saw it as soon as I could on IMAX, which is a good way to see Force Awakens. Anyway, you're most supportive. Anyway, <laughs> I just tend to avoid hype, but I, I am aware of, like, hype of other people around me. For me, it was Trainwreck, because, you know, similar to Sisters, people, like, were really pumped to see it. Pumped? Excited to see it, because Amy Schumer... It is a phrase the youth engage with. Amy Schumer is in right now. Uh She's it. And uh, she makes this... She writes this movie herself. Could have been great, but it's really boring. Really, really boring story. Disagree. Starts with... First of all, she's supposed to be like a train wreck. She's not that bad at all. She doesn't. Her life isn't like a complete mess. No, wait. I'm gonna second this one. I don't think that's the way it's meant to look. I think that's an intentional indictment of the way you know, quote unquote, slut shaming happens. I think calling a train wreck oh, was no, her going. Look, this is what people would assume of me because I live a perfectly you know, sexually fulfilled and I enjoy getting drunk, but I, my life is still perfectly adequate. So you're saying this was supposed to be a progressive film about slut shaming, but it ends, spoilers, with her dressing up as a cheerleader and apologizing for all her flaws. So oh she yeah, no, the, the ending was terrible. The ending <laughs> is so completely by the numbers anti-feminist and you're like, sorry, this is Amy Schumer, the hot feminist comedian right now, and this was her take on it. And also it comes out of nowhere. How does that? How did she organize that where she could be with the cheerleading squad in such a short space of time? It's okay, so. Don't question that. Everything it's a was so. Yeah, there's a certain heightened. But rom coms can be charming and full of life and have lots of funny moments in them. This has some funny moments in them. John Cena's good in it. Like, no, he's not. It's, it's <laughs> a few and far between. It's like and it, it, and it drags along. And there are these scenes where the improv. They just let the camera run on the ad libbing. When clearly, you know, it, it's it's like oh, they're just winging it. And um, Brie Larson was so, great, though. There was some genuinely emotional moments there where Brie Larson and Amy Schumer were really good together. I forgot Brie Larson was in this. <laughs> QED, quad erat demonstratum. Brie Larson is great in general. I look forward to stuff from her. Amy Schumer is good. I mean, I mean, okay, in this movie, I didn't completely hate it. Like, she did show there were scenes where serious stuff happens. And Amy Schumer is like, actually a good actress. And I was like, you shouldn't say actually in compliments. That kind of ruins mm-hmm. it, but... Uh, no, on the whole, this was really boring and dull and not very funny at all when people were building up going like, oh my God, this will be so great. And it's like, yeah, so I'd say that was the most overrated, overhyped, if, that, if that's our way of interpreting this question. I think, well, for you who avoids hype culture, that makes sense to interpret that way. So yeah, okay. So next up, uh, number four, but not really number four. Uh, I'm going to quickly listen because I don't think there's much more to be said. It's Carol. I, I'm still shocked how much I enjoyed it. It's essentially a perfectly made movie. I don't know what else to say. They managed to take the landing, which is near impossible in those kind of movies. It's 
really well acted. It looks great. I like the fact that it kind of occasionally veers in the weird Lynchian just oddness in its direction and sound design. Yeah, it's yeah, it's perfect. It's pretty much a perfect movie. It's still not in my top number one, even though these aren't number ones. Oh god. Anyway, it's really good. Go see Carol. If you see it no, we see. Here's the thing. I don't have Carol in my top five or my honorable mentions. Yeah. That isn't that isn't a slight to the movie. No, because you liked it too. Yeah. It isn't weird. like among my own personal favorite, but it's definitely one of the films of the year. Yeah. I really okay. can't rationalize yeah, yeah. why I've excluded it, but you know, it's it's. <laughs> yes, you it is the good. man from Uncle, which is objectively worse than Kingsman's movie. And obje- Let's not do this. a lot worse than Carol, <laughs> but I think just personally, I think the style worked. It was a fun movie to watch. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, so I um, quickly, what's your four? I'm done with this film reviewing thing. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, let us out of the basement. No, uh, my number four would be Mad Max Fury Road. Okay, and uh, yeah, I, I feel I like that doesn't need to be explained. Like that. I, I think everyone knows it's yeah. such content <laughs> filmmaking. It actually gets visual storytelling. It, it, I mean, it also gets how. Okay, I mean, Carol's a good example of how. Just because a movie is quote-unquote Oscar bait doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Yeah. Mad Max shows that just because a movie is a reboot, re- requel, sequel, retcon, prequel, oh, all this kind of stuff, people like bemoan it as sort of like a decline in storytelling. You can still have good storytelling as Force Awakens shows. It can still be mm-hmm. good if it happens to be... It, it, it's not a question of whether it's based on something previously, although it would be nice to have more original ideas. You know original ideas can suck as well you know i think this was like i didn't know i wanted another mad max movie but they went and made one and it was damn good and um so much of it was just the action was shot so well and the story moves along so well even though again the story is quite basic Mm -hmm. it just worked so well and i was really surprised by how much i enjoyed it so um yeah definitely i'm still amazed that people are really clamoring for this black and white re-release of it i don't understand why i thought the color scheme worked incredibly well the color scheme was so good yeah you see the onset stuff it's all this weird kind of yellow gray horribleness but like the oversaturated yellows and blues or orange and blues look really good and i don't know it's getting like nominations for golden globe nominations for best pictures alongside best movie of the year though from the overall kind of conglomerate of critic critical appraisal i think it, it from got where the us or the... i don't know what, what did it I, there was some sort of critical association that just compiled all the critical reviews of movies and that one got number one because i bet year. we didn't see that happening that the todd haynes lesbian melodrama is being oscar nominated alongside uh made mix you know like that's uh that's fantastic i think it's, it's showing it is great good yeah. variety in movies yeah so next up uh the most excruciating film of the year i'll let you go first on this one because I think we all know what's coming from my end. And <laughs> oh boy, um, you know what I just remembered actually? Ryan yeah. Gosling's Lost River, and oh, how yeah. overlooked that was. That was which I kind of thought. I still don't think it's that bad. I think if I want to see, no, it's bad. Ryan Gosling found a good cinematographer. I just think he needs to find a good screenwriter. I, I, am happy for him to direct or again. Just to make if he just one gets of those five to, movies, like, rather than make all five movies at once. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a real. It was disappointing because I had three or four plot or five plots going on at once. Whereas if they just picked a main character mm. and maybe did something slightly more interesting than uh, Lynch homage, you know, like Lynch homage, like Argento homage, uh, what's his face homage, Gaspar Noé, or Gaspar and, Noé, and so on. Yeah, but it's the same because yeah, really nice color schemes of them. But I remember, I remembered watching that and thinking like. Yeah, that is weird. Trying to watch it a second time, going, no, it's a bit boring. No. <laughs> um, it's boring sure despite having so many ideas. You see, it's kind strange. of this has also been a year for like really weird movies like that. Like Lo- Gaspar Noé had another movie called Love, oh, yeah. which you know is like, bizarre. Um, most excruciating, though, um, I would say, hard to be a god. The Russian mm-hmm. three-hour black and white film about Nothing. astronauts <laughs> finding a planet inhabited by that. medieval age humans. But most people haven't heard of this movie for good reason, so I'm just explaining that it's about these astronauts living on another planet where humans live, but it's kind of stuck in the Middle Ages. And you think, okay, so this is based on like some sci-fi short story. That's a good sci-fi theme, like because mm-hmm. it's hard to be a god. Let's see how this pans out. But 
it keeps going and going and going. And I think what was weird for me was the experience watching it was for the first hour, I was loving it with a big smile on my face and blown away by it because I kind of thought this is such inventive filmmaking like the camera is moving in ways I could have never predicted and like the set design is all seamless and you really feel like you are in this world and you're really getting a sense of how hard it is for medieval to have lived in such a medieval time but then it keeps going and keeps going keeps going there is no cause and effect to the narrative it just meanders from one thing to another even within scenes dialogue makes no one, sense. one <laughs> sentence does not follow another the cow is out up oh, back there, you'll find it. You know, it's, it's like it, my son's been no... decapitated by raiders. Maybe, yeah. There it's... are more chickens here. Like, okay, so that would have been the response to the line: "My son's been kidnapped by raiders." It's just random words, and it's all thrown up on the screen. This onslaught of noise That's and grind. Disgusting. It's and... genuine. The amount of nose clearing on screen is just horrendous. Yeah, and and then it's like, but it makes time feel elastic. You actually feel like you are there for an eternity, and and I, I don't mean figuratively. Mm. I mean it really did feel like we were experiencing thousands and thousands of years of time watching it. Then when it was over, it's just like, I'm alive! I'm going to go out and enjoy this world in colour and 21st century. It, it made me appreciate life so much more. So in, in that sense, I'm grateful to have seen it, but it is such a hard watch. If it was yes. two hours long, I think I would be recommending it as, like a, long, as a weird cult film because it does some inventive things. But it goes on for way too long with no rhyme or reason, no cause and effect. It's just so bizarre. It's like having your brain put through a cheese grater. So that was really, really excruciating. Like, what could possibly have been a tougher well, experience? I was just going to say, Richard? I saw Hard to Be God on the IFI shop the other day. I was like, oh, Jesus, I forgot about this. And I had to, I had to make it up. And I had to see, are there deleted scenes? Is there an extended cut? There can't be. There isn't. It's okay. Thank God. But I was genuinely afraid. What did they cut out? This is what they left in. Dear Lord. Anyway, I'm just so wondering what that blurb on the back of it said. Where It's someone's <laughs> job to write what the movie is about on the back of DVDs and no one ever reads it. So I'm wondering how the hell they describe uh, this movie. We can check afterwards. Um, but yeah, no, I think my most excruciating is a joint winner between Heart to Be a God for all the exact same reasons because I just, I wanted to die. I really just wanted to die watching that movie. And Brooklyn. Of course, Brooklyn. Now, I Not know... fair to have that lumped in with Hard to Be a... Hard to Be a God is such a unique film. It is just like another thing altogether than oh, no. a kind of oh, flawed, boring movie. That's why it's a perfect combination, because they both complement each other in the worst ways. Hard to Be a God is incredibly unique. It is so experimental. It is too experimental. It is unwatchably experimental. Brooklyn is the most ununique of films. It is a grey sludge. It is the gruel of cinema making. It is just the most by-the-numbers screenplay 101 safe thing, not yeah. safe there's no stakes nothing happens but on top of that it's like being punched in the face by every Irish stereotype you can imagine so it is the opposite Ooh, of experimental it is awful and it is unwatchably long you know speaking of Irish film you know I've already had Glassland as worst film I might even put it as most excruciating watch as well yeah, okay. you know or, and well, again, like I said, Hard to Be a God is such a unique experience. I think it deserves most excruciating. That sounds like it. But yeah, no, um, the Glassland is completely unwatchable as well. Brooklyn, you know, like I said, I think it'll be on on Christmas in years to come. And it's it's fine, but it's just, yeah, no no stakes to the story at all. And it's just very safe and bland. Donald and, uh, Gleason once again, misused as a protagonist character, whereby he only works well as a villain <laughs> and a Nazi. Despite being ginger, and they probably would, they probably euthanize No, okay, gingers. no, First Order, <laughs> Star Wars is racially diverse, you know, so you don't need to, it's not incongruous to have a ginger There was even a lady stormtrooper, not in, not like Phasma, there was a, you could hear a female Another voice stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah, I was like, ooh, look at them. So anyway, modern, yeah. back away from Star Wars again. So, <laughs> if you're trading, number three, I'm going to say Ex Machina. Once again, keeping the Donald Gleason, Gleason train rolling. Um, 
Looks not- great, sounds great. Alicia Vikander's great. Donald Gleeson's pretty good. Oscar Isaacs uh, had probably the single most terrifying scene in any movie this year when he was dancing. Oscar Isaac is so good at that <laughs> dancing scene, just- at being funny in the other scenes, intimidating in other ones. It, it oh god, it, it just you know this is in my top five as well, and we're not doing this in any particular order. No, so, so yeah, let's talk about Ex Machina yeah. now. This I, is also I, my third film. I like- feel like it was. It's good to see a nice, hard, serious sci-fi movie being released in a reasonably mainstream way I think it got a good decent release it had a good a fairly mainstream cast it a lot of it's well. set in the one location yeah. it's quite simple storytelling whilst dealing with very big ideas I love that kind of stuff where really it nice actually is yeah. good at exploring big ideas without losing sight of character and what's going on with them they do really interesting things with the character with Alicia Vikander's where it like it's not her movie and then sort of towards the end it does become her mm-hmm. movie and they and don't kind whole... of they, they keep the, they have the ball to kind of see it through the proper ending and the ending maybe you can read it as being well you have to it's, it's only read it really yeah you can only read it in one way really the way it's shot and stuff that kind of shadow thing at the end but it's dark and it, it sort of implies the genocide of the human race i'm like yeah good <laughs> and you know all this stuff about masculinity how oscar isaac represents a kind yeah. of aggressive toxic masculinity donald gleason is more kind, kind of, friend of um, equally sort of i'm vicious. a nice guy yeah. kind of uh, toxic masculinity and they're both overcoming a way that really makes you think about how many movies you see where you know it's just so second nature to have the male protagonist mm. and have the man's problems seem so big and then it's just like oh wait what does this woman want women want huh? it was like yeah, like so to have a movie like that that does that it, uh, this like came out early this year I think like January January yeah, yeah. and we're not including it in the Oscar buzz stuff because it, it shamefully did not get any Oscar nominations although I'm happy to report that Alicia Vikander is getting Golden Globe nominated for Ex Machina now well, because no, she's, surely it, it was out in April yeah but it couldn't America. be nominated for Oscars for last year anyway because it, it only came out in 2015 like everywhere so yeah. it, it might get nominated this year oh why are you doing this award season oh please stop um, but yeah, just, no, just was, go to December November time please anyway uh, you know that was still holds up as like a really good movie this year Alicia Vikander is like stunning in it I, I, I think she is a really great actress she's a she trained as a ballet dancer actually so she's playing this that makes sense, yeah. robot in this movie Really specific movement, really good. On the Film Ireland podcast, I have an interview with one of the visual effects artists on Ex Machina, and I was I was just fanboying about the movie and just how how they did it because it was about how to make her see through and stuff. And, yeah, that was quite um, subtle, kind of as an overall look. Yeah, uh, so everything about it was so well designed and so well written, and I think just to her performance, all the performances were good, but just the craft that went into hers was. Um, Oh, just so moving, so perfect. I think the fact that, yeah, like it came out in January, like you said, and yet I'm still at this point in the year thinking about bits of the score or certain shots, like the dancing bit or with him cutting his skin open or the shot when he finds a wardrobe full of, like, disused women. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's horrifying. It was incredible. And yeah, that was a really, really disgraceful. Yeah, so, uh, like, I, I hope, you know, it gets recognition it deserves as it goes on in the year. Maybe it'll be, like, a cult film in years to come. I'm hoping Alicia Vikander gets an Oscar this year for either <laughs> Danish Girl or Ex Machina. She, yeah, she'll be nominated at least. Anyway, on the next category. Um, she should be nominated is... for both, you know, because she was great in both. But uh, what is the next category? This is a very specific category. It is the impeccably well-made yet delightfully weird lesbian melodrama. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been a few this year, actually. <laughs> there's been, well, there's been more than one, which is why it's a category. So I'm kind of stuck between Carol and Duke of Burgundy because I feel like they'd actually... Ca- if you watch the two of them back-to-back, it would work quite well. Duke of Burgundy is almost like a pseudo... If David Lynch made a sequel to Carol, I think that's what Duke of Burgundy is. It's a a lesbian couple of a similar age difference, sort of at the point in their relationship where, you know, the honeymoon period's over, they're sort of settling into a long-term relationship, but there's still a distinct age gap of maybe 20 years, and the younger one is kind of getting restless, the older one's kind of being, well, can this work? 
And yet it's also about... That uh, is such a good way <laughs> of explaining Duke of Burgundy. Oh, I didn't wow. even mention the moths. Um, the, 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 the commune of lesbian etymologists. Yeah, because Duke of Burgundy, it, it is... Weirdly, yeah, it is sort of looking at the same character dynamic, but this is the point of filmmaking, that you can tell the same story, and if it's aesthetically mm. different, it's a completely different kind of film. So yeah. in, in Duke of Burgundy's case... They have this kind of BDSM romance, and they seem to live in a village that's entirely women who are also zoologists. And no, specifically etymology or not etymology, um, lepidopterists. Yeah, the study uh, of butterflies moths, and moths you know, and yeah. stuff. And we were just kind of speculating because it's never they never say this in the yeah. movie, but we were wondering: is it hinted at that this is like a commune where just for lesbians specifically in BDSM yeah. relationships? That seems to be an indication. Specific thing. That one old lady who lives in the village and just seems to hate everyone else. Yeah. So, so you think it's like one of those two movies, or like I, I think so. Because um, you like Carol so much, are you going to go with that one, or is Duke of Burgundy I, I think, so psychedelic mm, and cool? It's kind of that's the problem. Because I think Carol at the start of the year, Duke of Burgundy was my number one film of the year. But that was like February, March, though. But it is just so weird and there's just some sequences there's that dream sequence of the moths yeah. where it's it's really just unnerving for reasons you can't articulate it's, just, it's so weird and I want to give it to Duke of Burgundy because it's it's, it's very Lynchian in a properly Lynchian sense whereas Carol was a subtly Lynchian um, I think Carol's probably the better made movie but Duke of Burgundy was so strange Lots of well-crafted know. movies this year. Carol is just I'm going com- to just say both of them get it really but what, what, yeah, come on pick one because <sighs> I've, I've picked one of those two or do you have a third one? No. Twist. Give, give there me is your a third, third one first and I'll, I'll decide. My third one is The Falling, which if you were paying I attention to my... Yet, yeah. Pay attention to my honourable mentions. I would really recommend <laughs> catching up on this because I saw it in the cinema. I thought that was pretty good. The mm. ending was kind of weird though. It didn't really land, stick the landing. I rewatched it. There's a twist in the movie which makes watching it a second time so much I keep better. That, it's, yeah. it's like... Oh, God, now that those scenes make sense, whereas it, the first time you're watching them, they're just so odd and they don't work. But it's like it's all about uh, Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, Arya Stark, our beloved Arya. You know, she me from probably Doctor my Who. favorite character from Game of Thrones actually. But that's it. She was mine for, for a while, time. but no, she's not. Anyway, um, but is she? It's a she's in a girls' boarding school, or not boarding school? It's a girls' school in the 1960s, 70s, and. It's a relationship between her and another girl, and I think in the movie it's kind of besties. It's kind of best friends, but there is a lesbian subtext that's yes. pretty strongly hinted at. So I'm I'm going to say that this definitely counts as this. Uh, what is the name uh, of the category? Impeccably well made yet delightfully weird lesbian melodrama. That is a perfect <laughs> description of the falling because it's then about after. It's about in this school, there are are these uh, fainting spells mm-hmm. among the girls and it's happening to more than one of them. So it's this paranormal thing of like, okay, are, is this, are these the girls coordinating a hoax or is this an actual thing that seems to be happening to them? Uh, or is it like psychosomatic? And it's this sort of exploration of that. It's a really psychedelic movie. It get, captures like the tone of 60s, 70s things like so well. And like what I loved about rewatching as well is that there are these moments where a fainting spell will happen and there are the, like these split second, you know, fight club spliced in frames yeah. of stuff, which you don't, you take in subconsciously the first time, but you pausing it the second time, they're, they're not only like really well framed shots, but they're actually, you can figure out, oh, that's what's going through her head. So that's why she's fainted. Or so so um, it's really well crafted. And I think it was kind of overlooked because it is weird, but I'm, I'm now thinking 
what I would recommend is that if you carry on with this idea of like Duke of Burgundy being an indirect sequel to Carol, I would have The Falling be the prequel. a prequel yeah. to Carol. <laughs> uh, so have it be like Maisie Williams' character. Then in Carol, she's recast as Rooney Mara. Mara because yeah. even the blonde, yeah. it's the yeah. same hair color as well. And then, so yeah, then after that, it'd be like, okay, so that first lesbian thing didn't work out. You know, okay, so now there's Kate Blanchett. Now they're living together in Duke of Burgundy. So just think of it as like an actual trilogy, but they just recast each time. And That'd each be a really interesting in a like, way. Uh, binge watch those three movies from the other. We are going to, str- I'm going to strongly recommend you do that. Watch The Falling, then Carol, then Duke of Burgundy in that or- order and treat it like it's the one and story. And then find the secret meaning and tell us what the Illuminati really think. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so if you had to pick one, I suppose. I, or I'm going to say Duke of Burgundy time. purely, even though I think it's factually inaccurate to give Carol into my top five and not Duke of Burgundy and then give Duke of Burgundy a higher rating for a different category. But yeah. I just I just think it was so weird. Well, and the soundtrack was, was so good. Yeah. Even like the opening titles when they had um, yes. perfu- no, Perfume by whatever. And that makes no sense because it's not like smell of vision Retro titles. It was though, so strange. Like, yeah, even more retro than The Falling was. And it's just like, yeah, no, so this has been a good year for impeccably well-crafted, but still uh, weird, delightfully weird, but delightfully lesbian weird lesbian melodrama. Yeah, so long may that continue. Um, okay, so number two. I'm going to say The Voices, uh, which again, much like Kingsman, I can appreciate people finding it... I don't think it's problematic in a lot of the way Kingsman was. Oh, but it's quite problematic. Did you think... Uh, yeah. I think it... No, I think it was ballsy. I think it was problematic. I don't think it... Because I think it was quite respectful of like mental health issues. It just it did weird stuff was with it? them. I think so. Um, mm, but again, like Kingsman, I think it's very specific to my tastes. I think that's probably the single most relatable attempt at depicting the broken mind of someone that would become a serial killer and making it relatable and kind of pathetic, but in a way that you feel sorry for rather than outright hating. There's mm. that one sequence where he takes his pills for the first time and you see reality and it's just, it's incredibly dark and heartbreaking. Yeah, that's good because it's kind of showing like that if he does take his medication, the world yeah. just seems really grim and bleak when and he levels out yeah so you just, understand why he doesn't go for it even know, though so. it ends up him killing Jim Arthur yeah. and Anna Kendrick and and that's lady. not a spoiler because you see in the ads like this is the movie where their decapitated yeah. heads talk to them from the fridge because I literally um, knew nothing about it going in I didn't even know who was in it so I was delightfully surprised when he tripped into Jim Arthur <laughs> Because yeah, I saw the trailer afterwards and I was like, oh, they a, ruined it. You know, that might be, uh, yeah, that, okay, maybe that would have been a more interesting way to watch it, just mm. going in blind, because it's so hard to do that nowadays. You it know? really is. Like and, a, but, you know, I think it was perfect. And then I, the only thing I was a bit worried about watching it was, I, if you end it, no matter what you end, it's going to be disappointing. Yet the ending was just perfect. It was completely insane. Just Jesus on a forklift singing, sing a happy song, <laughs> and it was sublime. That's not abstract. I, 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 that is what, no, that is what happened. Yeah, I remember actually seeing the, the press screen of that, and just people walking out in just dead silence, kind of going, "Huh," and no one knew it. Really. And it was, just, it was, it was perfect. Uh, I think the voices is yeah, just Satrapi continues to be a very interesting, weird director, and I just look forward to whatever else she makes. She's pretty great. Mm. Um, I have, uh, I suppose, since we're not doing this in any order, mm-hmm. um second film would be they will have to kill us first uh this is a documentary about music musicians in mali uh who are f- fleeing violence from isis or, or, or a similar i think group like carol he discussed it recently enough so you kind of just slip through pretty fast. he discussed it recently enough and i was raving about this and i was saying it's my film of the year and because because this isn't in any particular order it, it still is like kind of film of the year but I, I think i just i feel like talking about it now because you know, with the refugee crisis and everything, mm-hmm. this is a movie about the refugee crisis. About it focuses on a few people who had to flee, but they happen to be really, really insanely talented musicians, and a lot of great music comes from Mali specifically. 
So like I've been interested in that subject matter a long time. So that's possibly kind of skewing how I feel about this movie. Maybe I just feel like it's a particularly good exploration of that because I've seen other documentaries about Malian music that are boring. So maybe it's partly that, but I mm. really do think this movie uh, gets across stuff so well. And there's like political... All the political stuff is explained really succinctly. It can get really dry if you spend a long time on that kind of stuff. It actually opens with like a rap that explains things. And I was a, I was a bit wary kind of going, oh, wait, that's not like Malian music. This is going to be a bit. But it actually explains the setup kind of really well. And then there's no rap for the rest of the movie. It's all this great Malian music, you know. Uh, oh, and it, yeah, and it was just beautiful movie. So it only got one week in the IFI, I think. <laughs> so this has been criminally overlooked. It'll be out on DVD at some point next year. You, you have to catch up on They Will Have to Kill Us First. Because that's what they say to the jihadists who want them to stop practicing music. Uh, it's just such a great testament to the human spirit, which you're so fond of, Richard. But, you know, also yeah. music, you know, it's uh As that one old lady movie. Futurama said, Please tweet us if you get that Futurama reference, because Richard <laughs> is haunted by how this one tiny moment in Futurama is quite funny, but it's not one of, like, the quotable ones. Well, it's already a quote, it's just a noise. But she's actually in my profile uh, photo on Twitter now as well. Yeah, so tweet, tweet him at Frontastic uh, or anyway, at Film Ireland, um, at Victory by Name. Yeah, also send us your best idea ideas for best movies or any of these categories, actually. So, yeah, the last category in honour of Empire Magazine in what I can only assume was a savvy attempt at marketing but just commodified a very real issue in a way that kind of horrified me. We're going to have the uh, best exploration of trans issues because there actually have been some very good ones this year. Uh, and it isn't just a hot button topic empire magazine. You, Jesus Christ. That's how they just. Ugh. I know what they were you, trying no, to say. I know what they were trying to do too. That's horrible. It's just, it's commodifying. Really diminishing. Like, it's not way. just about Kathleen Jenner. It's, you know, there's exactly. like, there's marriage oh, equality God. advances this year. Although Slovenia just rejected same sex marriage in a, a referendum. Ugh. So, okay. so, you know, still some way to go. But I think the idea was that, like, it, it's taken this long for, like, the the common sense of human rights for lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. What about uh, transsexual people? There's kind of a... It's, it, there's a cultural moment around it, I suppose. So there just happened to have been a few movies... Yeah, I just felt like... I year. felt like bringing it up purely because a lot of these movies are in my top ten, not my top five. So I just felt like we might as well discuss them, cause especially with The Danish Girl coming out soon. Um, I think, personally, of the two... I haven't seen Danish Girl yet, so that probably will be included at some point. But in terms of the two that really stick out, Tangerine, which is in a lot of people's top tens and top fives. And I really did enjoy Tangerine, but I find it weird that's going to be mentioned, whereas uh, there's a film that... I'm not sure if it actually got officially released here. It was screening at Jadev, anyway. Uh, a Swedish film called Something Must Break, which I really would recommend anyone watch. It's Even the fact that it's about a trans, a trans woman is not really important. It's an incredibly just interesting um, exploration of a relationship and just sort of kind of slightly fluid sexuality and just the way people can seemingly like you and then suddenly on the whim just decide no they don't and it's 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 quite weirdly uplifting like the ending it's really dark it's not dark but it's quite gritty and quite mo- like uh, it, god it's akin to the um other swedish trilogy that was famous in recent years the uh the girl with Mm. Uh, the Girl With series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very ungainly title. If you see those movies, like that kind of depiction of Sweden as being this sort of metropolitan city, and yet at the same time, city, country, and yet at the same time, really harboring a lot of these kind of quite deeply uh, troubling, slightly old world view of things, and just not necessarily being that progressive in a lot of ways, and being a bit yeah, scummy. Yeah, and... you know, there was something um, when Panty 
Queen of Ireland count in this, except drag queen is more about performance. Performance that's quite consciously performance. Yeah. yeah, you clearly wanted. Anyway, yeah. there was just there's a bit in Panty, and it's during the noble call, the, yeah. the thing at the Abbey Theatre, the speech he gave at the Abbey Theatre, and uh, it was a part where they said, um, "And you're all homophobic to one extent or another." Mm. And I, I'm not saying that it's it's to be expected in yeah. a society where homophobia is so deeply ingrained. You know, occasionally you are going to say something a bit sexist or a bit racist or so on. So it, is is that what this movie kind of explores? That there is still like sort of underlying. I don't think it's even that necessarily. Thing. I think it, it's. I do think the trans thing is is sort of more incidental than anything else. I, I know the actress that played the main character, whose name I've forgotten, but actor and title and character name. I know she was the first trans actress to actually win a Best Actress category in, I'm not sure if it was Berlin or it was one of the festivals around that time of year. Mm-hmm. And like, it, 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 she is really good. I just think it's, the ending is, I'm always a big fan of movies, especially quote unquote romance movies that end in a way that sort of doesn't demand relationships. Like you can end in a way that's like, look, it's okay being in your own or whatever. And like, that's very much how this one ends, but it ends in a way that's, it should be depressing. And yet I felt like punching the air after I watched it. It was just, really just subtle and perfect and I'd, I'd recommend it really really highly it's, I think I'll catch up on that yeah it's just an interesting exploration of this kind of fluid sexuality and stuff and I think it's very good um, I still think obviously the tangerine is incredibly funny and we're watching and and like did you say like the trans it, it, it's, it's almost some, like it, that the, the character didn't have to be trans it could just be about a cis character I think that's a tough question. I think it kind of did have to be a trans character. Okay. It had to be a trans character but I don't think the movie is necessarily about the so fact I that she's trans I hope we're getting there because I mean Danish girl I mean Obviously, okay, it, it's kind of like a brokeback mountain for trans people where mm. it's like, it's a big deal to the yeah, story exactly. that yeah, they're yeah. trans, which like on one level is kind of problematic. But at the same time, you know, depending on where society is, a movie like this can do a lot of good. So I know I'm breaking the rule kind of by like including a movie that's out on January 1st as one of this year's films. But uh, no, The D- Danish Girl is really good exploration of the issue as as far as we're qualified to comment on it, you know, I just, I just thought I, I, I never thought I'd see a lesbian love scene with Eddie Redmayne in it. You know, there, there have been lots of weird images this year in movies. Actually, I never thought I'd see Saoirse Ronan pooing into a bucket. Uh, that happened in Brooklyn. I never thought I would see the, the the moth scene in Duke of Burgundy. There's been lots of like weird images in filmmaking this year. Actually, just as a tangent. You know, um, tangents just what we need lots and lots of tangents but I mean we're, we're, we're coming to, our, to an end now anyway so like we've discussed all that we just have one more thing to discuss which is a film of the year not not, sort not of, a film of the year just the last of these five the last I of the guess. bunch of five yeah. which we really think capture the best filmmaking of the year begrudgingly and not really begrudgingly I just I'm gonna say it follows even though I don't think it follows Oh, this is terrible. I How can you have this be the last movie and you're saying begrudgingly... It's just because, look, I admire more what it did than what it is. I think it's an incredibly well-made horror movie and one that actually managed to freak me out, which doesn't work. Like, I mean, we've discussed this at length in the horror episode. Why are you but, sounding so pissy if this is your... Because if, if, if you're a film just, journalist for a living... Uh, living. Uh, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like, if you're the person who's expected to do a top-of-the-year list then and you kind of think about movies a lot, it's hard to sort of pick the final few movies, isn't it? Like, but the problem with my top five, that's why I wanted to do the honourable mentions first, was because I felt like the, the movies I'd listed in my honourables were more worthy. Like, stuff like... Um, looking at here, like The Lobster or Slow West or Mr. Holmes or Sicario... These feel like better, more important movies to me. Whereas my top five is very personal. Like it is, it's Kingsman, it's um, the voices, it's, it follows. Like it follows, I think, technically is very well made, but it's not groundbreaking necessarily. I think the score is fantastic. It looks great. It's a really effective horror movie. But there's even its whole subtext is quite muddled. It's I don't know. It's still it's still my final choice for top five. But I feel like it's a very personal 
just happiness seeing a horror movie good again rather than anything there's else. a bit of tonal dissonance going on here it, i mean it's in my honorable mentions it's yeah. a really good execution of horror it's it's mm-hmm. great you know i mean come on you know it's like <laughs> just trying to asking where... me to be happy and enthusiastic about a thing how dare you where is your christmas spirit died it's buried in the garden krampus took it well, I suppose if if we are talking about personal movies and that we have a personal connection to, I have one more movie to talk about uh, in my films of the year. And I do have a very personal reason for uh, choosing this movie. Uh, I don't know if our listeners can tell, but I'm on the autistic spectrum. Um, I have Asperger's syndrome on the high-functioning end of the autistic spectrum. They're, it's rarely portrayed well or, or, or accurately but, in movies. But what about that great Hugh Dancy movie? Adam, there's a rom-com with Hugh Dancy from Hannibal and Rose Byrne called Adam, which is a good example. Good example, because that movie gets some things right and other things wrong. And I think the Mm -hmm. idea is that they they portray him as the very unsocially aware, very scientific-minded stereotype. You know, so it's hard to get a movie where it actually gets the nuances in of what the different struggles are like. So there was a movie out this year called X Plus Y, which admittedly is not a great title for kind of selling the movie. I think in America they released it as a brilliant young mind. Which Seriously? Again, that's actually yeah. the name of it? Because <laughs> they knew X plus Y, Americans would be like, ugh, maths, reading, something. So, Science, th- so they kind of creationism. Figured, oh, but if it's about a young, you know, sweet English boy, you know, then maybe they'll go see it. They didn't, but uh, <laughs> it was quite overlooked. But what was great about it was that it was about um, Asa Butterfield, you know of of films you know Ender's you've seen game stuff. Fame, yeah. I guess. and hugo and boy in the striped pajamas and he was going to be spider-man but isn't he he's um this is like the most accurate on-screen portrayal of asperger's i've seen it's so good because it's just all these little moments you watch or i watch anyway and i know what's coming or i totally i totally understand why if he's getting a chinese takeaway he needs seven dumplings and not six that the, out of context, that sounds really bizarre, and that isn't something I personally relate to, but I totally get specific things like that. There needs to be a certain order to things. Um, and the story is that he's part of a mathlete team that go over to Taiwan for some international competition, and he meets a Chinese girl there. Now, mathletes is, is quite a stereotype, because not, not everyone with Asperger's is good at math. I'm terrible at math. Um, but you you have these different people on the team who are... One of them is obviously on the autistic spectrum as well. And there are scenes where he he embarrasses himself. And I was watching... I'm actually getting choked up thinking about it because I can remember watching it going, no, what are you doing? Stop. Oh, and and, and it was like I knew exactly the dynamic that was going on because I'd been there. And it's this other character who just feels so much more like haunted by the condition. And he's not like the main character who's like, you know, going on this arc of self-acceptance or something. This was a character who arc kind of ends in a really bleak way and I was just kind of like god this is getting so deep and then there's another character who at, at one point like th- th- so this character at the bleak ending he goes off in a huff because of a social misunderstanding so Asa Butterfield is left with this other kid and um, he turns him and he says something about blending in and the, the inference is that this other character is also on the autistic spectrum but he manages the symptoms a lot better it also shows the mother played by Sally Hawkins uh, what it's like for a parent raising someone of autism, how, how hard that is. That was get a, got across so beautifully. Rafe Spall is in this as the sort of mathlete coach, and I usually don't like him in movies. He gets typecast as an asshole. He was in like Prometheus and Anonymous, and he's just he's and he's 
what if the Daniel Radcliffe thing? He's always, always typecast as an asshole. It's like, so it's it's kind of hard to like them when you're always hating their character, but he's really good in this, and the acting is all so solid. And yeah, no, so I've been going on about it just to explain, like, why as someone on the autistic spectrum who rarely sees a movie that accurately presents it, you know, I just I thought this was great, and I was crying at the end, and you might be too if you go see it. So. Um, yeah, so it's called X plus Y, or a brilliant young man in the North American release. So that happens sometimes in movies, though. They get different... But I can totally sort of see no, why the logic of both, less but also than why the subject, they were flawed. Less than what the subject matter was, do you think that maybe that title was changed in some kind of attempt to maybe bank on the theory of everything, sort of? I think possibly, yeah. Mm. And I think it's a similarly themed movie as well. But, I mean, it's just it, 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 it works so well. Even just where the story ends up going... It's not the cliched ending. You think because he's a mathlete, there's going to be some big uh, triumph, but it's kind of, there's a realization, actually, I'm pretty good at maths, but I'm not that good. And I'm okay with that. I'm just like, yes, because, you know, so many, mo- it's, it's all about, like, we're all mathematical geniuses, and it's not true. So, you know, I, I kind of, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot I liked about this movie. Thinking on it, realizing, looking back now, I think both of our top five, well, certainly mine, we seem to have picked them and talked about them specifically because they tended to have endings that weren't generic. And is that a really low bar to set for a good movie? No. Because I feel like we were each mentioned in... Well, I know I mentioned in... You mentioned them a lot. Mine one, I, I suppose it was just more for personal taste mm-hmm. and uh, stuff. And uh, I suppose, yeah, no, so X Machina and X plus Y, they, they do interesting things with their endings. Um, so did Voices and Carol and arguably Kingsman-ish. And we were t- yeah, and, no, Kingsman so, was terrible, never mind. But we're talking about Hunger Games and Star Wars and how they stick the landing. Getting a good ending to your movie is right. You know, I think it's, it's you know, and it's a tricky thing to get right, so... Or indeed a good ending to your podcast. So, enjoy your New Year's goat. What What is the festival? I don't know. New Year's goat. Yeah, is that a thing? The Who knows? <laughs> not since, like, 618 AD when you would slaughter goats at New Year's... What, what are you talking about? Wait, Listen, Richard actually a thing? Did you slaughter goats at New Year's? Uh, he's a that bit, was a wild guess. He's a bit drunk on mulled wine and um, eggnog and whatnot. But, you know, we, we, we're just... Well, I'm in a festive spirit anyway. He's he's trying to adjust to human interaction and he's finding it difficult to sound warm. I mean, I can certainly wish you a very pleasant Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year full of great movies, which Film Ireland Podcast but will be here. Since this episode came out after Christmas and as a New Year's episode, we shall merely wish you a Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs>